Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. A word of warning to our Strangeville listeners. This episode may contain mature subject matter and adult language. The Roadside Zoo. Exotic animals. Lions, tigers, bears. In many ways, it feels like a piece of Americana. A relic of an American vacation fantasy that, on the outside, seems wholesome, fun. People love to to go see tigers and lions. And for the people running these places, the experience of spending time with an exotic animal can bring in money. And lots of it. People will pay money for it, and they're money makers. But at what cost to the animals, to the people who work there? Ultimately, I don't know that a property in the hills of southern Indiana, um, it makes sense for there to be lions and tigers and hyenas. Um, But uh, that is, you know, obviously up to lawmakers. This week, we're going to tell you about one of these self-proclaimed wildlife refuges, a place in Indiana where you and the kids until recently could go and see animals you might not ever get the chance to see anywhere else. We're also going to tell you about the man who started this place, a man who claimed to love the animals he was accused of harming, a man who was unwilling to take responsibility for what was happening around him. Their lack of doing their job, they want to point that finger back at me? Really? Because they're pathetic pieces of shit that reflects back on me? You know, I don't think so. A man determined to go to battle against anyone standing in his way. Nathan poked this bear so many times. The bear's tired of being poked. The bear's going to stand up and fight back. It's that simple. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. Welcome to Strangeville. Back before everything went sideways, Tim Stark's nonprofit Wildlife in Need in Charlestown, Indiana, was a popular spot for families and anyone wanting to get up close and personal with exotic animals. Shay McAllister's investigative reporter at WHAS 11 News in Louisville. Over time, she would get to know all about Wildlife in Need and Tim Stark. The bread and butter of Wildlife in Need at its peak was these um, animal experiences. So you would buy an exotic animal experience or you would buy a sloth experience. Um, They called them experiences. And so to live that firsthand, we purchased tickets to just go in as members of the public and see what it's all about. Um, they encourage you to take pictures and videos, which we did and later used in our reporting. But while we were there, um, it was just joyful. People were having a great time. They they bring you into this room. You sit in a big circle and um, they kind of build up the suspense of what animal are they, they going to bring out next. And they bring out sloths and then an owl flies over your head and then a little pig comes you know waddling out of the corner followed by a porcupine and children are laughing and clapping and parents are smiling and taking pictures 
People had a great time in these experiences and they made tons of money with them. The tickets to an experience would be about $25 and then they would charge $25 for every photograph with an animal afterwards. And that is where a lot of their big money was made. Tim Stark started Wildlife in Need back in the late 90s. And the general idea was a roadside zoo and an animal rescue, a wildlife refuge, a place where animals of all stripes could be taken care of, nursed back to health if needed, and then paraded out in front of the general public. And to the casual observer, even to those who knew him well, Tim Stark always loved his job. When they know I'm on the property, they're all pacing. They want to see daddy. Why? Because they love their daddy. Tim Stark, when he describes himself, he says that he has always loved animals. Growing up his entire life, animals have been a huge part of his life. And he says for his entire life, he's always planned to work with animals. And that's what Tim Stark did. He made animals his career, his life. I am an expert at what I do. But behind the scenes, when the clapping children and smiling families weren't around, things weren't so perfect. And over time, issues arose. Complaints were filed. People were injured and animals suffered. Tonight at 6 o'clock, WHAS 11 News has obtained a copy of the inspection report from back in January from the Wildlife in Need in Charlestown, Indiana. USDA officials showed up days after a fire swept through that sanctuary, killing 41 animals. Also listed in the report, USDA officials say they witnessed a bear suffering from a previous injury. They also stated that a kangaroo and three otters died, but a veterinarian was never contacted. And inspectors noted that there was not adequate fencing for the tiger pens. There were nails sticking out of a dog shelter, and numerous shelters were not suited to withstand bad weather conditions. At the time of that USDA inspection in 2016, it was reported that Tim Stark didn't appreciate the visit, and it didn't go well. According to the report, Tim Stark lost his temper several times, getting confrontational, interrupting the inspector and verbally attacking the supervisor, causing the inspection to end abruptly. They have an agenda, and their agenda is to shut me down. So they write this stuff up so you find people will show up at my doorstep. Just because I use what they call foul language, it is still the English language. They use the English language back at me. That was just the beginning. More inspections would follow and more complaints. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has filed a 24-page formal complaint against a southern Indiana wildlife sanctuary. The government claims that Tim Stark and Wildlife in Need in Charlestown failed to get proper care for two sick leopards, a kangaroo, and various other animals. Now, in one case, Stark said he euthanized a leopard by beating her to death with a baseball bat. The USDA also claims that Stark harassed investigators and puts animals in danger with his popular baby tiger playtime. Tim Stark harassed this 14-week-old baby bear in front of a crowd as she screamed and struggled to escape and lashed out in self-defense. But Tim Stark wasn't backing down, and repeatedly he would defend his actions and defend the shows at Wildlife in Need. If you make a toddler stop playing or whatever, and you pick them up, chances are they're going to throw a temper tantrum, start kicking, screaming, hollering, and everything else. No different hurts. She wants to play all the time. In the case of the bear cub, Gizzy, Stark claimed that he'd raised the cub and developed a parent-child relationship. For PETA to base an edited video about me that I'm cruel to animals or that I torture them or that I abuse them or any of that kind of stuff, total nonsense. But as complaints were filed and cases reviewed, 
A federal injunction forced Stark to make changes at the self-proclaimed wildlife refuge. A federal judge granted an injunction filed by People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, known as PETA. For now, wildlife in need will no longer be allowed to declaw their large cats. I thought a judge was smarter than that, I guess. I thought a judge would be able to go, really? Why do all vets do it if it's this horrific? In the ruling, two experts say declawing the large cats is both physically and emotionally harming. They came to the same conclusion about tiger playtime. This ruling is definitely a step in the right direction. The, the facility is, is cruel across the board. Um, and all of the animals deserve to be retired to reputable sanctuaries. Stark says for now he will not have tiger playtime and none of the big cats will be declawed. He plans to appeal the injunction, but for the time being, the show will go on. Am I doing another event? You damn right I am. Let's get on with it. I can work my ways around other stuff. Now, all of this had taken place before Shay McAllister at WHAS 11 started digging into the story, before she'd ever met Tim Stark. It, I would say it was a controversial place because there had everyone knew about these things that had happened there. However, at this point, um, he still has an army of supporters, and people still love going up and playing with the Tigers. But Shay was discovering new information, details that hadn't come to light previously. And much of it was coming from employees who decided to leave wildlife in need. Employees who had stories to tell about the animals and themselves. Seven whistleblowers speaking out. I've never, in the two years I was there, never saw a vet. He claims it is. It's all about the animals, but it's not. It's a harbor of abuse. It's a harbor of neglect where animals are starving. 500 USDA documents back up their claims, citing insufficient staff resulting in a lapse of animal care, lack of water, dirty cages, food covered with rodent feces. The paperwork cites unexplained animal deaths and animal deaths resulting from a lack of vet care. And the whistleblower complaints outlined in those 500 pages of documents were shocking. I would say the most common accusations, the ones that we heard again and again, and the ones that were backed up by federal documents, and those included everything from moldy food to no water to direct sunlight, dirty cages, dangerous cages, cages that either had dangers in them for the animals or weren't actually created to hold animals. For example, a lizard discovered in a toolbox. They also talked about neglect that would happen on the property where animals would be left um, living in their own filth for days and days and days. No one cleaning out the cages, no one refreshing the cages. And when animals were hurt, oftentimes, Employees said that Tim Stark would not call a vet, but would instead treat them himself. And he admitted this. He said that nobody knows the animals better than him. He knew how to treat them. But oftentimes, animals would get infections. Um, something would start very small, but it would get so big and bad that those animals would ultimately die when... In actuality, had a vet seen them and they had proper medical care, 
they probably would have lived. The former employees and volunteers shared what visitors weren't seeing when they attended those sold-out animal experiences. They're missing how many animals are crying behind closed doors. They're, they're not seeing the moldy food or no food at all. They're not seeing the lack of water. Um, they're not seeing open wounds that aren't being treated. Jordan Jones used to volunteer at Wildlife in Need. So did Kyra, Carly, Lauren, and three others who didn't want to be named, but did want to tell their story. And if they're dying anyway, what's there to be afraid of by trying to stand up for them? It is not what it claims to be. It is not a rescue. It does not rehabilitate. It does not release animals that go there. They suffer a very terrible life. You don't realize the red flags that you're seeing then. You know, but now looking back, there were so many. They didn't have knowledgeable people there. Um, and I don't think they had enough people there, even with all the volunteers. I've never, in the two years I was there, never saw a vet. In March of 2017, tiger cubs declawed, later ruled a violation of the Animal Welfare Act, but not before the paws got infected, swelling with pus. It was awful. Like, I walked in and I... I immediately wanted to throw up. We were taught to call their cages enclosures, but they are cages. They're not habitats. They're not uh, the plants. They're not the environment that that animal is supposed to be in. They had so many stories, many of them supported by photographs. And then stories of euthanasia. One of the things that was brought up in most all of our former staff interviews and was also written up in USDA inspection reports and complaint files, was the idea that um, he inhumanely was euthanizing animals and that he was euthanizing just any way he felt like euthanizing. So um, one one of the examples was there was a snow leopard that he said was very sick with a bone cancer and he used a baseball bat and beat the leopard to death. That was his form of euthanasia. And when I asked him about that and about the deaths of some other animals that had mysteriously died on the property, he said, um, you know, what's humane about euthanasia? Um, At the end, it's all just death. And so in his mind, you know, his way of addressing it was that there maybe there isn't a, um, a humane way to kill an animal or put an animal down and that he was doing what he had to do. Instead of waiting for the vet to get there, he said a proper form of euthanasia was um, blunt trauma to the head repeatedly. There had also been that fire back in 2016. Clark County 911, what is the address of your emergency? 3320 Jack Teeple Road. 3320 Jack Teeple Road. Barn is on fire. Barn is on fire. And then I remember I received a text message saying, oh, sorry, Jordan, guess you don't get to work with the reptiles now because they all died. And and I was actually uh, made fun of uh, by Tim and another uh, staff member. I got upset because he died. And they, they, like, made a joke out of it. At least 40 animals died in that 2016 fire. Inspectors never released the cause of the blaze. Three years later, in June of 2019, 
another 911 call. Clark County 911, what is the address of your emergency? I need an ambulance, please. Okay, what's going on there? An animal bite. Okay, what kind of animal bite? Uh, I'm going down there now. He said he's wounded. A, a maintenance man, handyman, kind of, you know, man of many jobs who worked on the property. Um, he was married to one of the lead volunteers, and he was a good friend of Tim Stark. And he just kind of took care of things on this property. And so he was repairing something inside the hyena cage. And when he left the cage, either something wasn't latched properly um, There was some sort of mistake made, and while I've talked with him many times, he actually doesn't discuss the details of the incident with me because he is currently suing Tim Stark. So he can't talk about it, but all of our details come from the incident report that was filed in state documents. So he comes out of the cage, um, and the hyena follows him and ends up attacking him. And there are gruesome, gruesome pictures from this attack where his arm is bit open and there's pieces of his arm hanging out. They immediately call 911 and you can hear this operator is in shock when she says, what's going on? And the caller says, "Um, we have an employee who's been attacked by a hyena and the 911 operator is you know, clearly confused and saying, what happened? And they said, you know, he's been attacked by a hyena. And it's a, it's a shocking thing to hear when you're, you're working in an area that doesn't have hyenas and doesn't make any sense that that would happen. Um, But it did. And that maintenance man was seriously, seriously hurt. He had to undergo surgeries. And he says, even now today, life still isn't the same. The time had come to talk to Tim Stark, and the self-proclaimed animal lover didn't hold back. I mean, it was was a little unbelievable, much like many parts of the interview, where I expected him to flat-out deny some of these accusations um, or try to make them sound better, but he really didn't ever do that. Instead, he admitted that, yes, those things happened on his property, and here's why. You know, he was he had conviction in his discussions with me. Did you know that parents rank financial literacy as the number one most difficult life skill to teach? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families. With Greenlight, you send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and keep an eye on your kids' spending with real-time notifications. Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. And parents can rest easy knowing their kids are learning about money with guardrails in place. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. My first time meeting Tim Stark was after I had already interviewed about a dozen of his former staff members. So I had already began my investigation. I'd been looking into accusations of wrongdoing at his facility for about 12 months at this point. And I knew my investigation would be coming out in the coming weeks. I felt well-armed with all of the accusations against him. So I just called him on his cell phone and asked if he would be interested in 
doing an interview with me. Yes, ma'am. Hey, this is Tim from Wildlife in Need. I got your message concerning the report you wanted to do or whatever. I'd be more than happy to. I guess we're going to play phone tag. So you've got my number. So guess what? Tag, you're it. The next morning, we packed up our car and head out to the property. It's about a 30-minute drive outside of Louisville in very rural southern Indiana. So you drive through hills, you eventually lose cell service, and then you pull up a long gravel driveway to get up to his property. There's these big gates that open up and kind of um, you push a button to be allowed inside. We were escorted over to the building where we would be meeting him. And our interview with him, which was about two hours long, he didn't seem to have any kind of issue with us at all. He was abrupt. He was short. Um, He comes off very harsh because he cusses often. And he will kind of slam you down with his words if he doesn't like the direction that you're going. And over those two hours, Tim Stark answers questions. And he never backs down. He doesn't deny accusations made against him, but he deflects or defends. How many animals do you have on the property? Now? Mm-hmm. Today. About 170, 190, something like that, maybe. So at most 190? Something like that. Somewhere around there. On your license for 2018, you registered 293. Mm-hmm. So you've lost a lot of animals. Well, I transferred out a lot. I'm downsizing. With all the bullshit I got going on, I decided to downsize. You know, gave a bunch away, sold some. You know, well, I didn't sell them. A friend of mine did. I don't sell animals. She sold them you know, and moved them out just to downsize. Regroup, restructure. PETA has dropped me to a level that I didn't care to be in. So I'm going to regroup and come back and whoop all their asses. How many animals have you rehabilitated and released? Over all the years? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell, thousands and thousands. And do you have any written proof, documents, videos yeah. of that? Yeah. Is it easy to see? Do you share it with people? No. Ain't nobody's fucking business. That's standard Tim Stark speak, as Shay would come to learn. So what is your protocol that you've come up with through all of that experience when an animal is hurt or sick? If an animal's hurt or sick, they, you know, the staff, they're the ones that's supposed to monitor it. They're the ones that are supposed to let me know what's going on. You know, I'm a busy man. You know, I rely on my staff. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, and they are to come to me on any issue. And at that time, I make the call on whether or not I can just fix it. If it's something simple, hey, put some damn neosporum on, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. We have that all the time. You know, or hey, here, kick it with some of these antibiotics. I know what I'm doing. I've been here, done that. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I don't need a vet to tell me that I need to put Neosporum on a little sore or the, you know, this or that. I don't need a vet for that. I'm qualified for that. I may not have went to some big fancy school, but this is what I do. This is what I love. And I've always provided medical care for every animal on this property. If you ask Tim Stark, Tim Stark has done nothing wrong. I have nothing to hide. You know, will I take you around and show you? No, because I don't trust reporters. You know, it's just that simple. You know, you want us to show you damn interaction, you want us to show, look on my fucking Facebook page. It'll show you a lot of that shit. We can give you videos. You know, if I'm such an animal abuser and an animal neglector and all that kind of shit, how is it that I walk in a cage with like three adult lions? If I abused them, I don't think I'd be able to come back out of there. 
huh? If those animals were scared of me because I abused them, they wouldn't come running to me, would they? I can show you every fucking animal here. When they know I'm on the property, they're all pacing. They want to see daddy. Why? Because they love their daddy. Every fucking animal on this property responds that way. So if you're an animal abuser, animals don't run to you. They run away from you. If you're a child abuser, children don't run to you. They run away from you. If you're a spouse abuser, spouse don't run to you. They run away from you. But Shay is just getting started with this interview, and the questions are slowly getting tougher. The next thing that I'd like to talk to you about, Mm -hmm. uh, vet care. Mm -hmm. Do you have a vet on staff here at Wildlife and Need? No, never have. You're not required to have a vet on staff. You're required to have a vet. An attending vet that... That I call if I need. And how often does that vet see the animals? When I need it. He's required to be here once a year to overall check. We just had him here a couple weeks ago. So the vet sees the animals minimum once a year. Mm -hmm. Would you say most animals only once a year if they don't have any other problems? Yeah. If you're not broke, don't fix it. Don't need to see it. If I know what I'm doing, I've got, you know, hell, decades of experience. It's that simple. I'm not talking about a damn month or a year. You know, I've been doing this shit for 40 some odd years. I've been running wildlife in need, been here since 1998, you know. So I do have experience. I am an expert at what I do. And then without being prompted or asked directly, conversation takes a turn. Stark brings up euthanasia on his own. And you mentioned just now the raptor release. So when is the last time you released one of those birds? Three or four weeks ago. Just for here recently? Mm Mm-hmm. If at all possible, you fix them so they can be released back out in the wild. If not, it's my requirement. If they're more or less past the point of no return, it is my job, it is my requirement, it is my duty to euthanize that bird. It's not my vet's responsibility. It has nothing to do with it. It is my responsibility. That is the duty in which I have decided to take on. And according to my license, it is my duty and my responsibility to ensure a humane euthanasia of those animals. How many have you had to euthanize here in the last few months? Probably about three of them, three or four of them, because they come in and they're completely shattered, you know, or completely messed up. There's no hope for them. So there's no need in sitting there. I've been doing this for years. I'm a master falconer dealing with raptors. I've been dealing with raptors since I was like 12 or 13 years old. So I took a test to prove my knowledge on raptors. Most of your rehabbers haven't. They don't. They just were there. They may have been a docent volunteer at like the Louisville Zoo and then go out on their own and do raptor rehab. They didn't learn shit. They didn't know nothing. I'll, I'll run circles around them, you know, so, I mean, I know when a bird's brought in, pretty much at that point, whether or not it's salvageable or not. You know, I don't need nobody else telling me that. This is a key topic among the hundreds of pages of USDA documents. Shea continues. And how do you euthanize these birds? Usually it's just a humane euthanasia. It's done quick, it's done simple. Done and over with. Can you tell us what that is? No, it's nobody's business how I do things. Nobody's business. I do exactly what I'm required to do. 
What is humane about euthanasia? The final result is fucking death. It's just that simple. I do it as quick as possible. Quicker than any vet could ever think about doing it. I am there for the animals. So I do what needs to be done. I hate that part of my job, but I do it because that is my responsibility. Shea then brings up the employees and volunteers who've come forward, the so-called whistleblowers, the ones who've made accusations against Stark and provided photos to investigators. Have animals died because they didn't get any or any of proper vet care? Not to my knowledge. You know, they have before my knowledge, if you understand what I mean, because staff didn't do their job. They weren't monitoring, they weren't checking on an animal. So are you saying the animals that have died because of a lack of care or lack of response is the staff member's fault? Well, I mean, I'm fully, I take full responsibility for every damn bit of it. They're my animals, it's my, my, my business, my responsibility. You know, but when you pull in these, these actual people that are bashing me, and it was their job to do it, when they didn't do their job, then they want to point the finger at me because they're worthless pieces of shit and they didn't do their job. They are useless. They wanted to create too much drama amongst themselves and I don't play that game. At the end of the interview, he was he was kind. He told us, thank you for coming out here. Um, come back anytime, you know, good to meet you guys. And he walked us out to our car and we left. And so he, there was these two sides of this when it comes to what was happening at his property and the accusations against him, um, he was defensive about it, not denying it, but defensive and explaining how it had happened. And then once we were done with the interview, he was back to kind of being jolly and kind and thanking us for coming out. But over the next months and years, that kind and welcoming side of Tim Stark would recede as court appearances and injunctions and complaints against him stack up. Until ultimately, Tim Stark decides he's had enough. In February of 2020, as WHAS 11 News reporter Shay McAllister aired her interviews with whistleblowers and Tim Stark himself, the USDA announced a ruling. It was the beginning of the end for Tim Stark and wildlife in need. The ruling stated that he willfully violated the Animal Welfare Act on multiple occasions. He was fined hundreds of thousands of dollars, and his license was revoked. The USDA revoked Tim Stark's exhibitor's license, and about a week later, the Indiana Attorney General's office filed a lawsuit against Tim Stark and Wildlife in Need with the goal of shutting him down for good and never allowing him to own or exhibit exotic animals again. Tonight here at six, days after the USDA revoked wildlife and need owner Tim Starks's license, the federal agency is responding to some of our questions, confirming the accused animal abuser will keep his animals. Our focus team has been working relentlessly since our reports first aired to find out what happens next. Doug, over the weekend I received hundreds of comments, messages and calls about this story and there's one question that just keeps coming up. That's what is next for these animals? In response to our investigation, Melanie wrote on Facebook, finally, can the place get shut down and those animals rescued? The question of what would happen to Stark's animals would come up again and again. 
But with Tim Stark at the center of all this, the stage was set for a winding and sometimes wild series of court appearances. The owner of Wildlife in Need appears in court to face a preliminary injunction that the state of Indiana requests access to his property. Right here, wearing a suit and tie, Tim Stark, as you can see right there, we've blurted out. He's walking into the courthouse with his middle finger raised, pointed right at our WHAS 11 news crew ahead of the hearing. Shea McAllister is... Court with Tim Stark is not like any court you've experienced before, and I'm not the only one who feels that way. I talked about it with the prosecutors um, and the attorneys within the Indiana Attorney General's office, who also said that it was shocking to have the type of um, behavior and situations in the courtroom that they did for a civil court proceeding. You know, a lot of times criminal court proceedings will turn, I'm a little bit tense and, and that's more normal. But in a civil court proceeding, this was unheard of. To give you an idea, after the first court hearing, um, Tim was reprimanded by the judge for his language, for the way he was speaking to people, pointing out people in the courtroom, throwing around accusations. At one point, he was threatening people, and they had to bring in seven or eight sheriff's deputies just to line the courtroom. So as far as this hearing goes, Doug, it almost didn't even happen. About five minutes before the court... After the very first court hearing, the judge immediately started filing motions in court asking for Tim Stark to stop doing some things and start doing other things. For example, stop showing the animals to the public. Start proving that the animals are getting vet care. You have to prove that your animals are okay. And they wanted those reports turned into the courts. Um, But Tim Stark ultimately ignored all of that. And as hearing after hearing came and went, the stories, the allegations, everything just got more and more Dramatic, urgent. They are in extreme danger. He has told us for years that he will hurt them. He will shoot them. It's not just the animals that are in danger. It's all the officials. It's all um, law enforcement that show up. Everyone is in danger, and they need to be prepared for what's about to happen. Nobody's going to take my animals. It's not going to be my animals that's going to pay the price. Darlene Eli, a former volunteer, described filthy living conditions. She said some animals lived in dog cages 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. They never saw the light of day. Each story seemed more outrageous than the last. Like this one, about a trip Stark took to Oklahoma with some of the animals. He put them in a trailer without food or water, without any airflow within the trailer. It was an enclosed trailer and um, stopped on his way to Oklahoma overnight, didn't let any of the animals out, and then continued on his way. So for, I think it was like a 36-hour trip or so. And when they arrived, um, some of the animals were dead and some of the animals were in distress from um, heat-related issues. And another story. This one from neighbors living near wildlife in need. But behind Stark's property, neighbors tell a different story. One showed us pictures of a dead leopard shot and killed by neighbors after they say it attacked multiple cats and dogs. The DNR responded to this incident. They said they couldn't prove who the leopard belonged to. But the USDA says it was likely an escaped leopard belonging to Tim Stark. I don't think Mr. Stark realizes the danger. I think he's only trying to think of himself. There's a brief lull in the action as COVID hits in early 2020. 
But that summer would bring more hearings, more court appearances, more fireworks outside the courtroom. After the proceeding was done, we asked Stark to talk about it on the way out. He had a lot to say, but not to us. He directed everything to the former volunteers. Everybody gets in there, you bunch of motherfuckers. Watch what happens when I get you on the stand. Let's see what happens. Let's see every one of you. You ready? Are you ready for that? Because we're going to pull you up on the stand and I'm going to show that you're the lying little that you are. You wanted to go against me? I can talk however the I want. You know, in courtroom now, I can talk to them however the hell I want. It's English language, my Anything else, Tim? Despite all his bravado and tough talk, Tim Stark appeared to be losing his fight. Tim Stark has ignored so many court orders that the state files a motion saying these animals on Tim Stark's property are part of wildlife in need. And if this nonprofit is ultimately shut down at the end of this court case, we need all of those animals to be accounted for because they will be considered assets that will eventually be liquidated, which is a complex way of saying we need all of those animals to be healthy and safe and alive until the end of this court proceeding. And at that point, the Indiana Attorney General's office did not believe that they would be if they stayed at Tim Stark's property. We saw SWAT, sheriffs, deputies, and state police come onto the property. And for the first 90 minutes, that's all we saw. Because Tim Stark refused to leave, even though he was ordered by the court to stay a mile away from wildlife in need all day. Tim Stark had made verbal threats um, to me and to others that he would kill his animals and kill people on his property before he would allow anyone to take any animals from his property. And so the planning that goes into this operation to remove the animals is very complicated um, and very thorough. Around 10.30, Stark finally pulled out into the road and he did stop to talk to us. He said he's not the monster he's been portrayed to be and he loves his animals, but he's made mistakes. I made a mistake. I did get too many animals and they weren't being treated. They were being healthy, but they weren't being treated fair. You know, they did need bigger enclosures. They did do that. So when I come back from Oklahoma in August, that was my goal, is to redo, revamp everything. But instead, motherfuckers like you want to portray me as a bad person. Um, And that's one of the most tense exchanges that we have with him when he's very upset and he's blaming me um, and others for ruining his life and stealing his livelihood. Um, And ultimately, police do ask him to leave. Over the next couple of days, animals start um, showing up as missing. So they're the the teams that are moving in to take the animals are doing a count every day, and they're noticing that animals are gone. And when they asked him, Stark, he says he doesn't know, and he actually starts, you know, trying to blame the the people who are there to take the animals, saying they probably stole my animals. Um, one of the days. One of the workers ends up finding a box truck with about two dozen animals inside. It's an 80-degree day. There's no water in this truck, and it just doubles down. It, it allowed the Indiana Attorney General to double down on their message that Tim Stark doesn't care about these animals and that, you know, he's allowing 
He's allowing these animals to suffer in this box truck on this 80-degree day instead of coming off of his property and moving to a ultimately safer situation. And that's when, for the first time, after all those years and legal filings and complaints and injunctions and courtroom drama, an arrest warrant is issued for Tim Stark. Well, Doug, there's a lot of questions tonight about how and when this arrest warrant will actually be executed. The biggest question of all, where is Tim Stark right now? We saw his truck pull up into his driveway just about 90 minutes ago. It was racing back out of his driveway shortly after that. And once Stark is arrested and taken into custody, he will stay in custody until the judge releases further orders. The state is asking that Stark is held in custody until every one of those missing 33 animals is accounted for. And on the same day that the warrant is issued, Tim Stark runs. For days and then weeks, Stark is on the run. But even on the run, Tim Stark isn't all that quiet. On social media, he writes that he's holed up in a secret location. But the post goes on. He alludes to having a a grenade with him and threatens that if police come and find him, he will use the grenade. He um, says, you know, that this this is what everyone wanted and You know, he's ready to kill himself and kill others because of all of this. As it turns out, Tim Stark's version of being on the run was staying at an Airbnb in upstate New York. And he starts talking to another person in this Airbnb, another guest in the hotel, about his exotic animals and about his animal refuge. And he's... um, He's explaining what he does for a living, and he's talking about all of the all of the things that happen on his property. And this hotel guest ends up Googling him and finds out that there is, in fact, a warrant out for his arrest. So they call police, and police in upstate New York arrest him, take him into custody. They do give him his phone back when he's in the police department. They allow him to do a Facebook Live announcing that he has been caught and that he is now in custody. Well, well, everybody, here we are. They've been looking for me. They caught me. Somehow they got an anonymous tip. They're wanting to extradite me from upstate New York back there to Clark County, Indiana. Tim Stark has two pending warrants in two different counties in Indiana that are about two hours away from each other. It takes several weeks before Stark is finally brought back to Indiana, where he appears in court for the charges. And he appears on... First, locally in court on a case um, where he was accused of intimidating a federal officer and um, of pushing that person. That happened during an inspection on his property. So he faces a judge in that case and is released on bond. However, he doesn't actually get to go home because he has this other court that he has to appear in. So they drive him up to Indianapolis where he sees the judge that is in charge of his case with the Indiana Attorney General's office. Stark is sent to jail for six more days, then released. When he's released, he goes back home to an empty property. All of his animals are gone. Um, Many of the, the cages and things that were used to care for the animals are gone. And he sets up a meeting with his board of directors for the nonprofit, and they decide to... Um, dissolve wildlife in need on their own. And I think that's a decision that comes when Tim Stark is seeing the end of the road, but is trying to hang on to a little bit of control. A few months later, in February of 2021, Tim Stark is back in court 
asking to get his animals back. And with all of his court dates so far, the proceeding this time today was nothing short of unusual. He presented evidence, called witnesses, and during his closings, collapsed, later thanking the judge for saving his life. In the midst of his closing arguments, Tim Stark grabbed his chest and crumbled into his seat, the judge telling him to take a break and then calling the case closed. Even though I wanted to present my side, I'm damn thankful the judge stopped it because in all reality, he saved my life. It's that simple. After the judge left the chambers, Stark got up and walked out. I asked him what happened. I was starting to have one of my heart issues. It's not really considered a heart attack. It can kill me. It was one of a few unusual moments playing out in the courtroom. Earlier in the day, a bailiff watched as Stark took the clock off the wall to turn back the time. In court, he didn't address the specific claims of nonprofit mismanagement or misuse of money, but he says he believes he built a strong case proving the agencies involved were out to get him. They have destroyed, they have killed, they have injured with no regard whatsoever. And just because they have titles, they think they're allowed to do it. Multiple times, the judge asked Stark not to get too close to witnesses, check his language, and follow court rules. At one point, Stark called the state prosecutors a bunch of idiots. As an officer of the court, uh, I I do not want to see that kind of behavior in the courtroom, uh, particularly at myself or my team. Now, Stark says he's ready to move forward. What do you do next? Carry on. That's all you can do, carry on. You know, they've robbed my identity. As he waits for the final verdict to come down from the judge. In the end, Tim Stark is unsuccessful. The animals stay put, the nonprofit is forever dissolved. And Stark is never allowed to own an animal again. Stark, his ex-wife Melissa Lane, and wildlife in need are permanently barred from owning or possessing big cats without court approval. In April, an Indiana state court ruling also banned Stark from acquiring, owning, or exhibiting any exotic or native animals. He goes on social media and has some really dark times after that, um, discussing um, suicide and different options. Um, So police do have to step back in uh, for his own safety. The man whose life revolved around his animals and his business ended up without either. Understandably, people wanted to know, were the animals okay? Where did they end up? All of the animals are in different facilities across the country. The Indiana Attorney General's Office is the only organization that knows where they all are, but does assure us and the public that they are being well taken care of. Of course, many people who used to work at Wildlife in Need have questions about that and have their own concerns and through doing research have tried to find out where the animals are and have expressed Um, some different concern about the animals. But as far as we know and what's officially been written into records, the animals are are safe and healthy, um, and we will likely never know where exactly they are. Today, the animals are gone, but Tim Stark remains in Indiana. He appears to still be at, at his home, which is on the property where the nonprofit was. And we, um, I have not talked to him in many months, um, not since the final day in court. But he is, you know, legally forbidden from owning animals or running a nonprofit. And those were the two things that he had built his life around. And so um, we don't know what he's, what's, what he's doing next or, you know, what his plans might be. And just recently, Tim Stark was in the news again 
saying a final goodbye to his lifelong business, holding an auction, selling off equipment and animal cages, even his home. Believe it or not, Stark supporters were on the scene. This is his whole life, everything. He's built everything, the house, the buildings. You know, it's so sad to see this go. But even the auction would set off yet another court filing. An emergency motion filed by prosecutors worried that Stark is still profiting off his business. But the auction continued. So I was here today to show a little bit of support. You know, you could tell he, he was doing this thing for the right reasons. And, you know, he got sideways with somebody. And, you know, it, how it ended is, is absolutely horrific. Proceeds from Stark's auction have been put in escrow until further notice. At the end of the day, you know, I think had we not done this investigation, many more animals would have suffered and died. So we can only hope that, you know, this is a bigger lesson. It's wider than wildlife in need and that something like this will not happen again. Next time on Strangeville. A head is more valuable than a hand. Uh, A leg is more valuable than, say, just a wrist or a part of a torso would be more valuable than a foot. Strangeville is a Vault Studios production. Our producer is Reed Redman. Executive producers are Brian Weiss and me, Will Johnson. Richard Humphreys at Tacoma Media in Silver Spring, Maryland, mixes and edits the show. Special thanks to Shay McAllister at WHAS 11 News in Louisville, Kentucky, for bringing us this story. If you haven't already, be sure to follow or subscribe to Strangeville and check out all of our Vault Studios shows wherever you listen to podcasts. 